Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. All right, let's do this, man. We got to have a Brandon Miller conversation. I'm sure you were having one or two or 40 the other uh, last week after he played his first and second summer league game. Well, the weekend games came, the big Wemby showdown where they both were were, uh, inefficient from the field. The one thing I'll say about Brandon Miller over the weekend, and we're getting a varying degree, and I'm sure y'all got it last week. Some people are saying he's a bust. Somebody says he looked average. Uh, and then you have Gamecock Kevin who sent each of us a text saying that we were overreacting in the first hour and that Greg Ostertag clowned uh, Tim Duncan in Summer League or something. I'm not talking about like one play or something here. I'm talking about four games now we've seen of Brandon Miller. And it has not been impressive. Now, is that the end of the world? Doesn't have to be the end of the damn world. But if we're going to evaluate the way he has played... I think you you have to point out the obvious. Like when the guy texted me and said, Brandon Miller, is it just me or does he look average? I said, average is kind. Um, He is shooting 33% from the field, 27% from three. Now, the one thing I'll give him credit to, this weekend, Bone, he took 33 shots in the two games. Now, the problem is he only made nine of them. He was not efficient at all. He was four of 18 yesterday. But he at least is trying to be assertive. The thing that killed me, especially the second game, oh my goodness. is that he was so passive. It's like, bro, do you believe you're that dude? Do you even think you're that dude? And in the pre-draft, I, I will say this. Some of the stuff that's happening, Bone, is not hugely sur- surprising to me or probably other men of Scoop. Because there are some shortcomings that I think he has that he will always have as a player, honestly. and uh, But we actually brought up the, the, the fact that... There was a uh, like an exec around the league or whatever that told Matt Norlander that he scoots an alpha on the floor and 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 uh, and uh, Brandon could be a bit beta. And I feel like you saw that in the second game, especially first game, he was passive for the first three quarters. At least this weekend, Bone, he looked assertive. He looked like he wanted his. He wanted to try to make things happen. As a number two pick, you are the other than Victor. You are the man out there in Vegas this week. And I just, I didn't think he carried himself that way. At least he attempted to make things happen. I, what I can't believe, he's not making the three. And I, I, I believe he will get well, better. In, fa- in fairness, the Hornets have only made three, I think, in a week. That's true. That's three for a million, I think, officially. <laughs> I do think he'll get better looks once LaMelo's kind of setting him up and stuff. But I'm shocked he's not making the three-pointer. I will say that. I was getting mad at some some Hornets fans uh, throughout last week, Mac, because, and it happens with Wemby too. That they they want to use the term "bust" so fast. They have an opinion. Oh, that's about, ridiculous. They have an opinion a about, They have an opinion about a player, and immediately it's it's a bust and a summer. It's ridiculous. There's so much more room to grow and to analyze. This is just the tip of the iceberg for who these guys are going to be. So the term "bust" that people people that didn't want Brandon Miller, we didn't, but. 
they, they want to just immediately in a couple summer league games tell you why they think that their opinion was validated. There's Hell, two- we had a guy that was a Brandon Miller guy. Oh, and yeah. he he we had a Brandon yeah. Miller guy flip back to our scoot side, <laughs> which isn't even really a side anymore. We moved on to supporting Brandon Miller for the most part here. Well, but Friday, that was tough. I had to send out a tweet. No, I know, but <laughs> this guy gave this guy was Mac, a Brandon Miller fan that was against us throughout the whole draft process. He turned on Brandon Miller in one game. I had to what? say, hold on, man. Wait a minute now. There's two areas of concern that you worry about. It's the offense. I think the shooting will come around. He's so predicated, and this will be all right when he's with Lamelo. but he's so predicated on the other guys getting him shots where he needs to go. Scoop's going to get his own on his own. Brandon Miller is going to be a guy that within the offense, they're going to have to set up stuff for him to get him shots. But that's a problem that the boys of Brandon didn't admit pre-draft. They didn't admit that. And to to be an immediate guy under Steve Clifford, we said this day after the draft, he's got to be a factor defensively. And by God, he had, Mac, I counted it up here, in the first couple of games in California, he had 612 fouls in the first <laughs> two games. He's got to, the shot will come around, but if he can't defend at a decent level, is Cliff's going to gravitate towards the vets, especially early on, early on in the season. He had 15 in the first two games. He had nine in the next two. I just, I, I just I'm not trying to be, do I told you so, radio. I'm not trying to do that. I'm tempted to do it. It's summer league, though. Uh, and, and and I want to be wrong on Brandon Miller, but when everybody said he's some sort of elite defender, I said, I don't think that's the case right now. I think he has potential, but so does Scoot defensively. Um, and he's not an elite defender right now, but he's got that length on him someone, and that wingspan. And it's, it's, there's the potential there and the versatility to switch positions, but it's not elite. And the other thing, Bone, is something you alluded to, watching him try to create his own. Even in the summer league level, like we got a lot of people saying it's summer league. Ha ha ha. It's summer league, bro. Chill out. And yes, it is. But like if he can't take guys off the bounce and finish inside in summer league, you think he's going to do it when the real ballers are on the floor? Absolutely. Like it's just not who he is. And that's one of the concerns I had. I think he's a complimentary piece. Now, there's no one to compliment on this team. Like he needs to be that guy. and, and, and And he would be playing a lot better if he had a legit point guard. There's no real point guard on this team except this dude, Robinson, who I have no idea who he is. That's Justin right. Robinson from Virginia Tech a couple years ago. Okay. He's, yeah. Well, he's, he's, he could be back at Virginia Tech on the bench. Like hey, 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 wait, hold so, on. That's one of our better guys now. Easy there. I, I, that would be. I don't know about that. Is there, Can we say there's better guys on this well, team? Well, he had a nice play the other day, one of the games. <laughs> right, I wrote but, that down on a note. So when LaMelo's setting him up and he's sitting on, you know, he's getting open looks. Now he's more of a mark man. I noticed when they tried to get him on pick and rolls the uh, last night, the Lakers start doubling him and stuff, showing him respect. Um, I also also think bone so i think the, the lack of a true point guard i think hurts him in this environment i also think he's the type of player that that wants structure more we played a clip last hour from david thorpe on the true hoops podcast where somebody on the hornet summer league team basically told him in, in you know in, out there out west that uh the head coach sucks that's marlon garnett the assistant coach tried to take the team over and it's basically chaos and how much of a mess the coaching is and it appears that way when you watch him play so i think brandon miller's the type of guy bone i don't think in a pickup game like scoot scoot is the type of player you watch him in a pickup game oh he's at home yeah brandon miller's not that sort of guy i think he needs plays runs i think he needs structure i think he needs guys to kind of run the lamello run the pick and roll weak side defender comes inside he kicks there's brandon miller and I also wonder about the mono. No one's mentioning this. 
Is he back full tilt? Or is the mono still something? Is he still not there energy-wise? True. But I do, like, so I'm not saying anything that I thought pre-draft has changed, Bone. But it's like he has issues that I feel like the Brandon Miller fans wouldn't admit. I feel like they're on display right now in the summer league. Let's also analyze their offense because it's basically, um, if you pass the basketball, Matt, to a teammate, good luck trying to get that ball back. He had some good assist numbers along the way in the first couple games. But good luck right now when you pass the ball to, say, for example, a Book Knight, a McGowan's, or a Nick Smith. Good luck trying to get the ball back during the offensive possession. Oh, it's the black hole triplets right there, man. <laughs> Seriously. And I know that's their job, right? Like, unfortunately, they're all being – they're all primary ball handlers in this lineup because you don't have – other than we don't, Robinson looks the most real point guardish, ish um, But those guys – there's too much, and we'll get into this later when we start talking about the rest of the players, like the non-Brandon Miller guys. But, like, yeah, there's too much one-on-one. Those guys aren't looking to kick. They're looking to get theirs. They're all kind of microwave guys, or they're supposed to be, right? Yeah. Combo guard guys. Brandon Miller's assist numbers have been better than all those guys. It's true. So I will give him credit. He has created at times. He got more aggressive this weekend. The shooting, this dude says, uh, guys, uh, I thought Brandon Miller could shoot. This guy's shooting looks terrible. See, that would be something I wouldn't worry about. We know he can no, shoot he's it. Gonna, he's, gonna, he's, he's not shooting he's, it well. I don't worry he, about the offense as much as I do about the defensive prowess. You don't look, you don't, well, you don't early, think. Early on, I mean, obviously he can grow into that. But if we're expecting him to get a ton of minutes early, he's going to have to defend at a pretty decent level within the actual regular season. Or Cliff's going to have to. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's why I said Hayward's probably going to be the guy there to start the season at least. Because unless he shows the commitment to defense and a prowess to defend early, then he's probably going to. He'll be out there. Don't get me wrong. But it's probably going to be more in a limited rotation early on. Trevor says, Mac wants to call him a bust so bad, but he just pulls back every time. No, I'm not calling him. But you can't declare a guy a bust in the summer league. What I'm saying, aren't there things you look at and you're like, this could be a problem in real NBA? You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, I, I hate to keep taking it back there, but I just, I believe we messed up. I just believe we messed up in the draft, and I still believe we messed up in the draft. And by the way, Joe and Raleigh is like, ha, 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 what, how's Scoot doing? Well, he got hurt, but before that, he looked like that dude. <laughs> he looked like, like Russell Westbrook. He looked dominant, man. He did. Like, he played the way I would expect Scoot to play. Like, And, and this, you can't help but watch him. With the way he dribbles with his head up, he's trying to force the tempo. You can't help but – you're lying if you don't watch Scoot and think, oh, my God, him and LaMelo together in transition. Holy bleep. How good like, would that be? And look? here's the thing, too, I would say. I said that out loud. I said, holy like, bleep. You could watch Scoot before he got hurt the other night, and you're like – like I saw one of the NBA media guys. I don't know if it was David Aldridge maybe say, oh, yeah, they might be trading Dame, but this is their next star. You can see it. You watched if you watched Scoot Anderson play the other night, like he's a star. He's gonna be a star. He's just getting started, right? But you can just see it, right? You watch Brandon Miller, he's not oozing star right now. Again, I don't think people should be calling him a bust. But like I just he's complimentary. Scoot is the guy people compliment. You know what I mean? Scoot There's creates a, everything. Brandon it, Miller needs to be set up. And the good news is, Bone, he will have better people around him that will make his job easier in actual MVP. Scoot's, Scoot's, got, Scoot's got some Batman to him, an alpha, a takeover guy. Maybe over time, Brandon Miller gets that alpha mentality, but he feels to me like he's going to be more of a Robin-type character than a Batman. 
to use those references. Batman and Robin. Batman was the main dude. You know, I Robin, got you, baby. Yeah, I got like you. Some people think I'm your. Uh, some people think I'm your Robin. Not, you know uh, I mean? not at all, man. Double Batman's baby. Some people call you. Somebody called you the Penguin once. That's not fair. All <laughs> right. Got the same physique right now, unfortunately. Uh, let's see here. GM Joe says he's playing the four. That's not his position. No, that's true. There are minutes where he is. You know, a good amount of minutes where he's kind of been stuck playing the four. But not lately. The last two games they started a dude I had never heard of, Trey Scott. Um, and uh, he's been playing the four. <laughs> so Brandon's been back to playing the wing the last two games. So that you have to throw that in if, if you're trying to defend him. Brian says, uh, Brandon Miller is a bust. Mac and Bone can't say it because they want to be nice to the Hornets. How is anybody a bust yet? How do we, why do we throw that word? If you That's Mac, too harsh. But if there's things you're concerned about, right, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he hasn't been good. This texter says Victor's been worse than Brandon. Friday night, Victor looked a little clumsy and clunky. Looked a little ner- almost nervous in a way. Last a night, bit. Victor brought it. He did. 27 points, uh, 12 boards, another another bunch of blocks. Like, he brought it last night. He might be done. That might be it for him at the Summer League. They're also, in terms of offense, they're not exactly running stuff for Victor either out there. It's basically like, here's the ball. Well, uh, see what you can do. They're well, not they, exa- yeah. they got two future All-NBA players, at least according to the Hornets games, in Barlow and Champagne. <laughs> like, ser- like, seriously. I watched the Hornets Summer League team and thought those two guys were Pippen and Jordan. <laughs> Are you kidding me, man? And then last night. Who was the guy last night, Bone, or yesterday afternoon, whenever the hell they played that game? The uh, the big dude in the middle that looked like the second coming of Bill Walton. Catalan or Castelloon? What was this guy's oh, name? Oh, that was Colin Castleton from Florida. Don't, I didn't know who that guy was, but he was oh, dominating. How could, you, how could you not respect old white fudge there, He was dude. dominating Guy <laughs> is that, Jones. Is that, is, is that his is that nickname? That no, no, no. Oh, I just I, made that one up. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that should well, be his nickname. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant Replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Pirates were the better team today and they win it 27 22. Biggest heartbreak. Chris Johnson bounces off a one. He's still up. Johnson to the outside has a chance. Foot race. Goodbye. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. That is Brad Nessler voicing our intro. You're trying to make me cry. Or maybe just uh, actually me stealing the intro from the college football game <laughs> in 2011. But it doesn't matter. We have launched Team Week officially. We are going to explore every college football program in the Carolinas. Nine weeks out from kickoff between North Carolina and South Carolina to get the stage set and bring us officially some college football action. And so we're going to start with ECU this week. What we're going to do 
Every Monday for each program, we're going to take a look at the recent history, maybe look at the transition into this season, what they've done the last five years, what they did last year, get everybody set for the upcoming Pirate season. And then also Mondays, after we move on from the recent history, we'll take a look ahead at the offense defense on Wednesdays, have a guest for you on Thursday, probably two guests a week, but at least one. And then Friday, we'll give you the predictions and the season outlook where everybody can get involved as well. You can right now, if you want to, 704-570-9610. Real quickly, KC Steve wrote in. He said, as an ECU alum, I can't allow Wes to get away with starting our R with a Y. But (laughs) this comes in because Fiddy just typed in a pirate sound effect on YouTube, and well, this is what he came up with on the uh, pirate R sound. Yar! Yeah, with a Y. I don't know why the Y is there, but we're rolling with it, and so that's what's going on. Uh, Wes, when you look at what this team accomplished last year, how hard is it going to be able to carry some of this stuff over, and what were some of your notes after watching what Mike Houston was able to do, his fourth season, Mm -hmm. best record with the team, and also, of course, the ending of what is a great ECU quarterback career from Holden Aylers. Well, it's going to be tough for them this season, but their preseason predicted to finish sixth uh, in the American behind uh, Tulane, UTSA, SMU, Memphis, and FAU. But this is a team last season that was sixth in scoring at 32 points a game. They were third in yards per game offensively, sixth in scoring defense, and seventh uh, in yards allowed per game. But they're losing Holton. How do you Aylers. Aylers. Yeah. Odin Aylers, Keaton Mitchell, Isaiah Winstead, C.J. Johnson. So they're missing some key guys on offense. They've only got one starter coming back on the offensive line. That's never a good thing. And so Mason Garcia is going to step in. This kid's 6'5", 242 pounds. Can I interest you in that? Now that's big. I, I, even me. Even me, I can understand <laughs> that's a big that's old big. quarterback. Four-star prospect coming out of high school. 14th best quarterback nationally and fifth best in the state of South Carolina. So this defense, though, like I said, you look at it, they're going to lose a lot of guys there, especially in the secondary. Had some transfers coming in. But the defensive line, they had one of the top run defenses in Conference USA, but that was a little bit skewed. That's why I don't necessarily go by run and pass uh, defense ratings when you talk about yards because people were able to throw on the Pirates to the tune of them being dead last in in, uh, the American Conference, excuse me, in pass defense. And so when you talk about them having six starters returning on that side of the ball, it's going to be tough for them uh, this season with all that they have to replace. When you're talking about Aylers, a guy that was just prolific offensively and what he was able to do, it's always going to be an uphill climb uh, over 14, through for almost 14,000 yards, 97 touchdowns, and ran for almost 1,525 touchdowns. Man, that's not easy production to replace. Well, and where I want to start is... Yeah, the the transition is going to be the toughest for Mike Houston this year than it has since, really, he took the job, right? Because you had Holton Aylers there. He had a great season this past year. Just looking at the growth from him, too, threw for 3,700 total yards in 13 games played. That's 400 more than he threw for in 2019, the second most amount of yards that he threw for in his ECU career. 28 touchdown passes to only five interceptions. That was a mark that was way different than his 18 touchdown passes in 2021 and 10 interceptions in 2021. You see what Mike Houston is doing? First year with ECU, goes 4-8 and eight in 2019. Only plays nine games in 2020. Remember, COVID-shortened season. Goes 3-6. and six. So I want to stop it there because 
you look at the first two years for Mike Houston, and let's compare it to a school that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks with Charlotte. Charlotte wanted to go after Mike Houston first. There was an offer on the table, and Houston had no problem talking about behind-closed-doors business that was being conducted by one Mike Hill, the athletic director in Charlotte. Well, the second year for Will Healy, who Mike Hill has to pivot to, Charlotte goes bowling. And it's their first ever season getting to a bowl game, or at least not the second season, but we'd already seen that with Will Healy having been successful pretty quickly. So at that point, it looked like Charlotte was on the right trajectory where ECU was a pressure-filled season for Mike Houston in 2021. You know, we always do the wait three years, then we'll see what happens. Well, he had gone four and eight and three and six in two years, but Mike Houston answers the bell. He goes seven and five in 12 games in 2021 last year, post the best record under uh, his tutelage there, eight and five, and they win the Birmingham Bowl. And as we mentioned, great play from the quarterback. They're on the right path. Now, this is where it gets interesting, though, because at the end of some of the guys that you're able to recruit, you have in your system for so long, you have a great starting QB. Now it's like, okay, how much reload confirmation, how much reload benefit of the doubt are we going to give to Mike Houston? Because this is going to be the first time that we've really seen them undergo this amount of change. So we know about it with some of the top programs in the country. Clemson, they get reload bias, right? They've done it before. Georgia, we had this question on a much bigger and much more macro level. But now Georgia gets that benefit of the doubt. Does ECU earn the benefit of the doubt this season? That's my biggest question mark. Um, I think you have to give them that because you look at this team and how much turnover there's going to be. You're losing your top running back, your quarterback. You're losing your top wide receivers. You're losing five guys on defense to a defense that wasn't all that great to begin with. And this team was able to do what they did, especially down the stretch, because they didn't turn the football over. Over their last seven games, they had zero turnovers, not a one. And they led the nation in the fewest giveaways, and they closed the season five and two. So you're talking about a new quarterback in Mason Garcia that's going to come in, and this is the kid that's a career 50% passer. You watch him play, and he's a good athlete. There's no doubt about it. He's only got 179 yards and only thrown 38 career passes. And this is a guy, he's a good athlete. He can run. There's no doubt about it. And I think they're going to formulate that offense around that more ball control to give him less chances to give the ball to the other team. Because when you watch some of the highlights, especially when he was able to play in his one start against Navy in 2020. Now, of course he may have gotten a little bit better, but we haven't seen a ton of it because he only threw seven passes in 2022. But when you watch him play at his core and just looking at his mechanics, he's got the wind-up throw like a la Tim Tebow where it's got kind of the windmill motion to it. So this is a guy that you would think is going to need uh, a lot of work as a passer and a lot of reps. So uh, turning over the football was their calling card last year when they had success that helped them have that best season under him. So you would expect more turnovers are going to come with so many new offensive parts and a defense that's not that great to begin with that's taken a lot of losses. Their top cornerback last season, Malik Fleming, he left and went to Houston. So this is a team that's going to be a work in progress. So to answer your question, yes, I think he's going to deserve a little bit of grace this season with how much there is to replace. Well, and so this is – that's interesting you mentioned that. You think that there is some kind of excuse, depending on how it goes, right? But you think there is a little bit of an excuse baked in here if, what, 
what, what what kind of excuse would be relevant here, right? Like, should they still be go, uh, going bowling at the end of the season? And if they don't, is it considered still a down year? Because I think if you go seven and five and eight and five, yeah, this is the problem that you create yourself for yourself. It's a good problem. Mm-hmm. Now it's time. Once you establish yourself as a bowl program, keep getting there. Like, this is what it is. You have to build this thing from the ground up. I understand it might be tough to transition from a good QB to another, but they at least should be going seven wins this year, right? That's not too much to ask. Yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask. As I said, they were were picked to finish sixth in this conference. And you look at some of the teams in front of them, the the SMUs, the the Tulanes and the Houstons, the Memphises of the world and some of those. So they're going to battle with some of those teams uh, who will have a lot to replace uh, as well in different areas. But I do think this is a team capable of making it to a bowl for sure. But just saying that the fact that there's going to be a lot harder path to get there because you've got so many new pieces. And again, you had so much success when you didn't turn uh, the ball over because because this is an offense that they were good last year, but 32 points a game, yeah, that's that's rock solid, but that's still not a team that's just a juggernaut that's going to come out and just be a walking 40 when they get off of the bus. And so when you don't have that, you're definitely going to have to pride yourself on taking care of the football, not putting your defense in bad situations, because, again, with a new quarterback that looks like he's not going to be uh, the most prolific passer in the world, at least to start, that's going to be something that's going to be paramount. Now, we've seen um, Mike Houston, by the way, have some success with running quarterbacks. We saw the kind of offense they ran with Lenore Ryan, Division Two. Hickory, Crib, got to see them go to the D2 championship game when he was there. That was a decade ago. Did you get a t-shirt? I did not, but <laughs> I should. I should get my CBI championship shirt for the Charlotte basketball team and my Lenore Ryan yeah, championship appearance in Division Two a decade ago. But we've seen it at the Citadel, James Madison. It doesn't matter. And now here, where, here's uh, where you are with Mike Houston at ECU. Glenn wrote in on the text line, Walker, my son's a pirate. Garcia has a rocket launcher. He's been chopping at the bit and getting his grades up. All right. Love Mike Houston. Let's go. R. That's from Glenn. Uh, Fiddy, if you don't mind this week, anytime there's a hint of R, if you don't mind playing the soundbite from YouTube. R. Perfect. Uh, I want it every time, by the way. I want this to be annoying by the time people are ready to move on from ECU. Hmm. 508 said Charlotte will beat ECU this year. Hashtag run the dang ball. 980 said it's going to be hard for ECU to gain Yards. <laughs> ah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. I love when Wes actually likes it. Yeah, naturally, naturally likes it and then has a, a natural laugh. Uh, Niner B, he wrote in. Do you guys honestly think if you were broadcasting from Greenville or Boone, Niners would be the first or second team discussed? All caps, pitiful. Biff is a prophet, apparently. Niner B. All right, look, Niner B. All right. The reason we decided to go with this route is because. We wanted to make sure that we covered the Charlotte 49ers football team as well as possible. Are you going to want to hear about your football program nine weeks out on team week? Are you going to want to hear about it seven weeks out from team week? I'm going to go with seven weeks. And if you want to blame the entire show, you can blame me. I'm a Niner alum. I thought that might be a little bit of a better thing to go with because next week we're going to go with App State and then we're going to go with Charlotte and then we're going to take care of the power five schools. So, you're going to be mad at week seven. Oh, why aren't they the team discussed right before? Well, because North Carolina and South Carolina are going to kick us off. This is the order. You have to live with it. Hit me with a pirate sound, Fiddy, one more time. 
Yar! Thank you. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show... I just watched a video from Julius Peppers at Southern Nash Senior High School where he played for a uh, football for Coach Ray Davis, who, who put him at running back, which is the scariest thing I've ever thought of in my life. 6'7", 250-pound Julius Peppers running right at you, probably in the wing tee. I have no idea if they ran the wing tee at that Southern Nash Senior High School smoke, but I'm going to assume they ran the wing tee back in the day. Wouldn't be shocked. Maybe some eye formation, but, uh, oh, God. Imagine how you... Imagine you seeing on the other side Julius Peppers. No, thank you. You got scared looking at Jeff King, didn't you? Oh, go, yeah, absolutely. Julius Peppers, way more scary. Way more scary. Let's bring in the uh, the wing T of football writers. I think that's a compliment. From Panthers.com, he's been around. He's seen it all here, though. Darren Gant, Uncle DG, is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. The wing T of football writers. How do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about that at all. I mean, I, I'm not from Delaware. I, I am not boring. I am not terribly complicated. I'm just, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that at all. I ran the wing team in high school. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be insulting myself if I were insulting you. Right? Yeah, you 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 were a fullback in the wing tee. I can see that. There's no, no, I was no a, question in my mind. No, I was a, I was a useless tight end in the wing tee. They threw it to me three times all year. I hate that offense. Anyway, how you been, yeah, man? Yeah, that was to... probably about two too many. But, uh, <laughs> the point stands. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. Um, we, we got uh, two pretty important names in Carolina Panthers history going into the Hall of Honor, Julius Peppers, Masen Muhammad. Uh, let's start with Pep. You've talked about him a lot on these airwaves over the years, but uh, let's do it again. What makes him so special and deserving uh, of this seat? Well, I mean, simply put, he's different than all the other kids. And you were talking about it coming into this segment. I mean, he just is physically capable of plays other people could not make and did it for a long, long time. I think one of the things people lose sight of with Julius is, is just how long he did it. And we've got some stuff yeah, from a conversation I had with him that's going to be coming up in the next couple of days on Panthers.com where, you know, he just casually does incredible things. And I was talking to him about being fourth on the NFL's all-time sack list with 159 and a half. And, and he kind of didn't realize it when he was playing. And he said, well, I mean, if I needed to pass some people on the sack list, I could have played another year or two and got six or eight sacks a year. I could have done that. And when you think about it, you realize he's right. He could have done that at in year eight. 18 and 19 of a pretty brilliant career. He was still playing at a level that suggests he was capable of that kind of stuff. He just so physically different. I mean, I could, uh, we could talk all day. You get former players talking about him and he's just capable of doing things that other people couldn't. I always, one of the ones that stands out in my mind was the Denver game. in 04, not because of the long return where he kind of ran out of gas up there at altitude after about 103 yards of running. But there was a play, the play right before that, 
Jake Plummer tries to bootleg out to the end zone from about the one or two yard line. And Julius chased him down from the backside of that play. And, and Jake Plummer's not a slow guy. I mean, he's not some big lumbering oaf. It was designed to be unstoppable. And Julius stopped it. And he did that over and over and over in his career. He was unbelievable. He really was. Now, I know you're an App State guy, but you grew up in the great state of North Carolina. And when he no was at, when he was at North Carolina, I, I know you recall those days. We played the audio of an alley-oop yeah. that he caught from Ronald Curry, two football guys on the basketball court back in 01 against Wake Forest. But what do you recall about that? You know, but just back then when he was just, you know, biding his time in the winter playing basketball at North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Bigfoot. It's a mythical creature that you've heard tales of. And, you know, even when he was in high school, you would hear, oh, there's this kid down the eastern part of the state that you're not going to believe. He's like 6'7", 250, and can run a, a four four forty. I mean, it's just you heard about the legend long before you ever saw him. And, again, the basketball portion of it you mentioned just kind of speaks to it. I'm convinced if Julius Peppers, if Julius Peppers wanted to play basketball only, he'd have been an NBA All-Star. I mean, I, I think he was—he would have walked into the league capable of being a Ben Wallace-type player. And, and if he ever got better at it, the way he got better at football, God only knows what he'd have been capable of. But I, I'm convinced he'd have been an All-Star if he'd have played in the NBA. When you think of Musin Muhammad, what do you think of first? Just how productive he was for such a long, long time. I mean, same kind of deal as Pep. I mean, there there are guys who burn brightly for a little bit of time, but Moose just made plays forever, and he he came back and made plays when they when they thought they were just buying themselves a Ricky Prohl, you know, some kind of veteran mentor who wasn't going to be that big a part of an offense. I mean, they tried replacing him with a handful of guys over the years, and it never quite worked. So he just came back and kept making plays. I mean, he was. He was a star receiver, and a lot of teams have one of those guys uh, in their history. The Panthers had two of them at the same time. I mean, it, between him and Steve Smith and, and, and watching them go back and forth, if you think about uh, going from 03 to 04, when Steve's ascending and becoming a playmaker, Steve gets hurt first game of the following year. Moose has the best season of his career, catch 16 touchdowns. So he, he was just able to do it for such a long time. But uh, he, was also, he, he was also a receiver. I mean, I, I think when I think about those two guys – the way they operated together in the same space was always fascinating to me because they both big personalities, both convinced they were the guy, and you just happen to have a couple of them at the same time. What do their numbers look like in a modern offense? Just take a stab at it. Like, how do we talk about them differently? Bigger. I mean, and we, you and I have talked about this in the context of Steve in the Hall of Fame conversation. Imagine if he played in St. Louis the way Torrey Holt did. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he played with Peyton Manning the way Reggie Wayne did. I mean, my gosh, what are we talking about even? It's just, you know, it's it's alarming to think about what they could have done in a better situation. And that's no discredit to Jake or or Steve Berline in Moose's case. Um, You know, he he just never had the opportunity to play with that, that level of quarterback the way some of these other guys did. But Moose was different because I think, think about it in the current context. He, he's basically Jonathan Mingo. He's big. He was physical. He could block in the run game, make plays downfield because he was still fast. I mean, and, you know, again, it's just the longevity. I mean, when you – I mentioned this in our announcement story this morning on Panthers.com. 
between these two guys, Moose played with Sam Mills. Julius plays with Luke Keekley and Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they basically cover the entire spectrum of the organization's history. And, you know, it created so many memories for so many people. Oh, they sure did. Darren Gant, Panthers.com. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, quick before I let you go. So the inaugural, David Tepper's inaugural class, Smitty, Jake, uh, Wesley Walls, and, and Gross a couple of years ago. Now five and six are Moose and Julius Peppers. What's the right way to do this moving forward? Because you, you, I know you want to preserve you know, some semblance of you know keeping this really, really special, but obviously there's an effort to start memorializing some more players that, that are part of a great history of the Panthers. What's the right way to do this moving forward? Uh, I, I think there are enough people who deserve this kind of recognition that you don't you, you don't want to go too fast with it. I mean, you, if you blew it out with a four-person class every year, and that one was different, you know, because there was some catching up involved. And I, I don't know that you necessarily need to go that far uh, with it in future classes. Certainly, there are enough guys to justify it, but I think you could do this Every couple of years, go two guys at a time and be well represented for a pretty good, pretty good chunk of time. I mean, I'm sure you guys have done it in the lead up to the announcement, talking about who it was going to be or who it deserved to be. You can rattle off five, six names pretty easily that everybody agrees probably is of this caliber. I mean, guys like Luke and TD and and. Ryan Khalil and Greg Olson. <laughs> oh, by the way, Cam Newton, when he decides he's finished playing football, I, I think we'll talk about him in these regards. They are in the same regard. Darren Gant, uh, I think what I'm going to go with from now on is you are the West Coast offense of football writers. You continue to reinvent I, yourself. I, I like that better. It's a little more, yeah, it's a little more modern, a little more cosmopolitan also. Yeah, no, you're right. It fits yeah. you. I, the, the, the wing T yeah. was an homage to you understanding the roots of football, Darren Gant. It was it's not, not a crack at your age or anything. Yeah, all right. As long as it wasn't that, because Lord knows we don't need any more of that. I was I was drawing a blank. It's one of those things. The, the old coach at Delaware who invented this thing, I'm going to remember his name as soon as I hang up this <laughs> telephone, but I do not have it right now. It's something that ends with a Y, like Tuffy or something like that. I, I don't, I, I don't remember who it is. Dave Nelson. Him. Dave Nelson. Dave Nelson. That's not who I was thinking about. I was thinking about the legendary Delaware coach. You know, oh, 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 Harold, Harold Tubby Raymond. Yeah, Tubby Raymond. There yeah. you go. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah. I knew it. I knew it. See, I was all over it. As always. Well, of course, of course. And I, I could tell I could tell you were a little bit grisly about it when you suggested that I should have gotten fewer targets as a high school court in tight end. That hurt, actually. So, well, and, I mean, you know, wasted plays, a wasted play. <laughs> and now we're even, I assume. All right, Darren, yeah, get, get, get out of fair. here. Get out of here. All right, we'll talk to boy. you soon. Bye. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.